Hello world, and welcome to Development Heaven. I am your host, Vincent Marinelli, and I am joined uh, by my co-host, Glenn Cagle. Hi. Hey, Glenn. So just one more time, uh, this is what Vincent sounds like, and then this is what Glenn <laughs> sounds like. Hi, guys. This is what I sound like. I'm Glenn. Just, uh, just you know, I want to make sure people can tell the difference right off the bat, because apparently that's the hardest thing when it comes to podcasts, is actually is differentiating. Really? Yeah, that's what I've heard. Well, People then we should both do a voice. Way. Should we be doing different voices? I can we do should a both be really doing good different Batman. Yeah. You're going to do Batman? I'm not going to do Batman. I'll do Robin. Uh, <laughs> okay, do Robin. And I'll be Vincent. <laughs> Which one? Uh, the first one. So this is a podcast. Um, I would say loosely it's a design podcast. Uh, but Loosely? Yeah, I mean, we, we don't really... We aren't designing anything so much as oh, we're... Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. You yeah. know, talking about... It's a podcast about design, but it's uh, but it's not necessarily a design podcast. Yeah, and also it's just us making ding dong jokes for the most part. I would uh, hope ding dong. So what we do here, Glenn, is talk about uh, the many hurdles that creators in the media and entertainment industry face during the development of uh, just certain movies, TV shows, novels, or video games. Uh, probably just mostly video media games. that we like. Yeah, but probably you know. mostly video games, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of my thing. Uh, I'm, you know, I've been uh, developing games for quite some time now, so that's like my scene. Mm, good call, uh, Vincent. Vincent's the podcast guy. Is. You are the video game guy. Uh, more of the brains, of the operation. That's your archetype. Yeah. Uh, what would you say my archetype is, Glenn? Besides, uh, um, uh, just co- a cool guy in general. Besides the cool guy you're like, archetype. You're, you're definitely like the uh, the cool like leader type. You're the Alvin from Alvin I'm and the like, I'm like the Alvin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So I'm the, and then you'd be the Simon? I'd be the Simon. You'd be the Does Simon of the Caleb chipmunks? Does the Theodore? Yeah, okay. <laughs> or Matthew's the Theodore? Yeah, okay. Caleb's our editor. Matthew is our uh, artist. He did all of our cover art and stuff. Okay, we were going to do a thank you segment at the end, but now that you've gotten that one out of the way... Well, we can still thank them, can't we? Uh, no. No, that's <laughs> right. all the airtime they get. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they ain't paying for that much. <laughs> <laughs> they pay us to do work for us, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. All right, Glenn, we should probably uh, give the people what they came here for. Um, so what are we doing here today? Uh, we thought we'd talk about some, uh, firsts, uh, especially in the video game industry. Um, usually the way we format our, uh, episodes is, um, we have a theme, sort of a central theme that, uh, Vincent and I will both ponder over the course of the week and, uh, come up and with ponder a, I did. A pon- That'd be a tough one to beat Vincent. Mm-hmm. Uh, we often, we, um, uh, we come up with, um, ideas on our own and then, uh, when it comes time to record, we both present our, um, research findings and, uh, ideas, uh, and just generally have a nice chat. But there yeah. is one gimmick that we always have. Isn't that right, Glenn? Where one of us goes first and who is that this week? That's right, Vincent. We always decide that randomly. Um, and since today... We were talking about firsts. I looked into the first dice, oh. uh, you know, because randomness. Uh-huh. And it turns out that, you know, um, some people probably knew this. They were uh, carved from, like, uh, knuckle bones. 
or not even carved sometimes sometimes you just toss like the the talus bone which is in uh the uh, ankle of the hoofed animals okay um, so it's an animal thing i was gonna say where do they get the bones yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um but it, they called them like knuckle bones or knuckles or stuff like that and you toss them and they're kind of the way they're shaped they can they have like a few different ways they can land mm. and you know rules on how you tally that up is uh, differ but uh sadly enough i didn't have time to order any knuckle bones no online bones. so <laughs> i'm just gonna use google's coin flip <laughs> Which is the same thing. Yes, it's the same thing. Yeah, uh, I will call the head side of the knuckle bone. Okay, it's flipping. Oh, it's heads. Vincent, you're up. Okay, I guess I go first. It's like a little um, Roman coin. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that is pretty cool. Uh-huh. All right, well, if I'm first, uh, I'll just dive head first into this. Glenn, tell me what you know about Mario. Uh, I don't know. He's like Italian and he's like a plumber. He's got a brother named Luigi but uh they're not the same species apparently <laughs> i i read that if you look them up th- i don't know if this is true anymore but mario uh-huh. is like like homo nintendius or something like that and luigi is human okay that's horrifying <laughs> but i think they are adopted technically so are they really i go. didn't know that i don't know he was they, they were like delivered by a stork and then yoshi uh, yeah well picked him up. that's that makes sense and it was at different i don't know Yoshi is technically like Yoshi T. Yoshisaurus T. Munchakupas is his genus and species. Very cool. But that's not what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, so like, Mario is like an Italian plumber, right? Yeah, no, you just about got it. Okay. Um, uh, uh, originally, uh, Mario, Mario, Mario was uh, a carpenter by the name of um, Jumpman in the original mm-hmm. Donkey Kong, uh, but he went through some. Uh, serious changes so that's what i'm going to talk about today mostly uh the development of the original nes video game super mario brothers uh so first to do that i want to talk about shigeru miyamoto uh you know him i'm sure but shigeru miyamoto super influential video game designer made donkey kong mario zelda you know all the big ones all the big boys in nintendo Uh, But back when he was just like a student, like a college uh, design major grad student, he uh, got hired by a small time toy company. Uh, This is like early 70s by the name of Nintendo back when they made Mm. like little um, grabby arms and trading cards. I see. This was like well before the the video game phase, but that's what they were looking into. And that's why they hired um, Miyamoto uh, to work on art for video games because that's what he had um, went to school for. Uh, the first video game. So he, had he went to on. school for artwork. Yeah, it was like a design thing. He I wanted you. to be an artist. I think he wanted to be a manga artist at first, uh, but well, he he apparently got into video games because he really enjoyed playing Space Invaders. So huh. when Nintendo offered him this job of, hey, do you want to make art for video games? He was like, hey, I do like Space Invaders. Wow. So that's his so origin he, story. So that's really interesting because I I would consider it a completely different skill set to draw manga and draw pixel art. But I guess at the time that there wasn't a difference. Yeah, I mean there wasn't there weren't pixel artists, right? So they would just yeah, hire. yeah. Sort of a hint towards mine. You know, at one point, uh, computer science was just a branch of mathematics. Mm. You know, it wasn't its own thing. So I don't know. I think that's kind of like it's similarly, there weren't pixel artists. It was just art. Yeah, man. That's. That's about where my head's at on this, too. Uh, so the first game we worked on was just some 
small cowboy arcade game. Uh, he did a couple of... Like the one in Back to the Future. I don't remember the one in Back to the Future. Elaborate. Uh, he's, like, really good at it. It's, like, a bit. And then in the third one, or whichever one he goes back... Or he... The second one, I guess. The one where he goes mm-hmm. to the future. Is that he like th- like Elijah Wood is a little kid in it or something? He's in the... Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, Michael J. Fox shoots, you know, like plays the video game. And then the mm-hmm. kid's like, oh, you have to touch it with your hands? That's like a kid's <laughs> toy. So implying that in the future, 2015, that is, uh, we do not touch video games with our hands. Man, if only. Anyway. Well, you, so you're into like on... VR and stuff like that. So you're, yeah. you're closer than I am. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> So he worked on this game called Radar Scope, um, which did well in the East, critically at least, but people in uh, America at least did not like it. Um, and so it did really poorly. Nintendo was disappointed in this, so they asked him to, they asked Miyamoto to lead uh, a new project using the technology from uh, Radar, Radar Scope. They just wanted to repurpose those uh, arcade sets. And so he used that technology to just made Donkey Kong. Hmm. And that's that's all that's where it comes from. There wasn't a huge inspiration besides, you know, obviously King Kong, but he just took the basic technology and repurposed it. And it did wow. really well. I don't know if you know this, but people really like Donkey Kong. Yeah. I'm uh, bad at it. <laughs> yeah, I'm real too. bad. I don't think I've ever even I don't know. What does anything happen when you get to the top? Yeah, there's like a bunch of levels. <laughs> <laughs> I've never even gotten to the top on the first level. Huh. But probably... then again, I'm like, I've never been like, you know, inclined to play it, I guess. Uh, it sounds like an excuse. You should probably brush you, up. You have on to your, like go uh, out of your way to play the old DK days. skills. See what I mean? No, I use an emulator. Anyway, Donkey Kong, big hit. Uh, Nintendo was very happy with Miyamoto. They had him work on a couple of sequels. And then in 83, he made that Mario Bros. arcade cabinet. Um, and that's where, you know, the classic Mario character comes from. It introduces Luigi. He... What does he do? You, like, have the power block, you jump underneath a turtle and then kick it? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Something like that. So that's 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 where Mario com- came from originally. That's where the inspiration for the NES, NES game came from. Uh, but the reason that the NES came around was actually the video game crash of 1983. Do you know about this? No. Tell me. Okay, so this is a topic that deserves way more attention than I'm going to be able to give it right now, maybe an entire episode at some point. But really? in 83, yeah, the whole video game market crashed because Atari completely like flooded the uh, market, like complete market saturation with just really low quality Atari games. And then all the Atari clones and everybody that was trying to uh, uh, copy that market. And at the same time, home computers were becoming popular. So people stopped wanting, needing to buy these home consoles. So mm, yeah. Yeah. Video games just completely crashed for a couple of years. Specifically 83 to 85. Uh until video games in general or just like uh consoles. Home consoles. Yeah, um, cuz that's about the, the time when like some of the first like PC games were coming around. Yeah, so that's what I'm talking about with home computers. People decided that maybe this is uh where the money's at. Yeah, you know? so yeah. Arcade why why go are... why spend your all your quarters at an arcade when you can buy a floppy disk once and play the game, play Oregon Trail all day long. Yeah. People were burnt out by um the amount of Pac Man clones that were on Atari games that all just ran real bad. Have you played those? They're not fun. They don't play like Pac Man at all. Anyway, hmm. uh so Nintendo starts making the NES, they restrict this third party development so it's like really 
they, it's quality control for the games. Um, you know, new design. Uh, oh uh, yeah, the Nintendo seal of approval. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then they brought on you know people that they know could make good games to make said games. So uh, the NES became popular in North American markets, and a big part of that was thanks to Mario because Mario had this name recognition at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, according to Shigeru Miyamoto, there was no clear vision for Mario at first. They just knew they were going to make a Mario game, uh, put it on the NES. That's all. Um, it, it, it followed along. Uh, uh, the only kind of inspiration they had at first was uh, a continuation of the theme that NES games at the time, which were just kind of generally athletic games. Huh. Uh, this was Shigeru Miyamoto said this himself, but which I think is so funny. But if you look back at it, you know, uh, today it's first person shooters or it's uh, battle royale games, right? But back then it was make uh, motocross, but on a video game, make volleyball, but it's a video game. You know huh. what I mean? Yeah. So they had the technology from Excite Bike and uh, Kung Fu and games like that, and they oh, used Kung that Fu, to yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they used that to make the first Mario. Huh. Cool. Uh, so this one is was a surprise to me. It's the reason that I chose uh, Mario as the first game. Well, a because of how influential Mario is to video game culture, but b because I never even heard this before. For most of the development, Mario had his three main controls. Right, he had run, jump, and shoot his gun really yeah he originally was just gonna have a gun uh miyamoto didn't um say specifically what kind no 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 that this was most of the development that's what he wanted he um he never said what kind of gun but i assume it was just a normal gun because it sounds like the original idea for mario was a lot less fantastical than what it turned into you know if you look at the games that came before it it was kind of just like Almost a New York aesthetic, right? Where it's scaffolding and it's sewers, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I, I saw an interview. Um, and forgive me. I, I forget the name of the guy who voices Mario. Charles Martinet. Okay. I saw a um, uh, an interview with him, and he said that, you know, he went, when he went in for the interview, I don't know if he was saying that, like, other people were doing this, but he said, you know, when they asked for an Italian plumber, mm-hmm. of course, you know, everyone thinks... You know, classic like Italian. Oh, like full New Yorker. Yeah, full New Yorker right. like yeah, voice. Yeah. And he w- and he was like, I want to stand out, so I'm going to mm-hmm. go the opposite route and go high and like mm-hmm. uh, chipper, like you know. Yeah. You know, he's like funny, funny red man. Hardly making um, even coherent sentences. Yeah. The classic Mario we know and love. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but so anyway, yeah, uh, Mario had a gun. Uh, Gritty. Real gritty. There were apparently entire like shoot 'em up uh, sections of the the game where you would hop into a cloud and then just shoot enemies down as like a a, a bonus points kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. This turned eventually into bonus stages. If you remember that from the first Mario game, I see. Yeah. So besides that, there are a handful of other pretty big changes to the original design that I was not aware of. Uh, the first one being uh, Mario's. Sprite, you know, so if you look at uh, uh, Mario's kind of tall sprite, right, that you get after you get the mushroom, mm-hmm. it's like really big for an NES game. Um, I-, I think it's 16 by 32. Yeah. Which yeah. For, for characters in NES games was like pretty large. I'm pretty uh, sure and it's like, it, it's like several tiles, but it's like eight tiles to put together, mm-hmm. like two by four. And so apparently during playtesting, people um, were kind of upset because they wanted the camera to see further out front, and uh, Miyamoto didn't really want to change Mario's size. 
but just for playtesting purposes, he made them small. Uh, he made them half the size so that you huh. could, so it appeared that you could see further uh, along the screen. Uh, with the, his intention being just still releasing the game with the 32 tall 32 by 16 sprite. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then during this point, he came up with the inspiration of giving it, giving him a power up of making him large, starting out in the small and then getting the mushroom power up and becoming big. That's where the super Mario comes from. That's the super and super Mario. Right. Right. So was the mushroom ma- like giving you powers? Is that anything from Japanese lore or did he just pull that out of thin air? Well, a, a lot of people compare it to um, Alice in Wonderland, but apparently it does come from Japanese folklore. The, the mushroom itself is, I have it here. It's called Amanita Muscaria, which is, you oh. know, a, a psychedelic mushroom, right? Right. Um, it's, the inspiration for the Mario mushrooms, the Alice in Wonderland mushrooms, and then supposedly a lot of the ones in Japanese folklore, you know, sure. fairy tales. Uh, so, I tried... so rather than Mario being based off of Alice in Wonderland, it's just that both of those are based off the same real life mushrooms. Yes. Yeah. I see. You know, I was trying to do some research on it, like figure out if the if tripping on Amanita Muscaria actually makes you feel bigger or something, I honestly couldn't find anything that said that. So I, I do well, not they know do where have, that comes from. They, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there are like, uh, what do they call Like the Superman drugs that make you feel like, you know, if you've seen like the videos where people are like getting arrested and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, I can break oh, yeah. these cuffs and <laughs> yeah, stuff like, like the that. bath salts and all that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like su- the Superman drugs. So it might, I don't know. Maybe Maybe it has an effect like that. Maybe I. It seemed like it just kind of was a really introspective mm. kind of trip from the from what it when, what people said online. So I I honestly couldn't tell you, but it that's what they say it, it's based off of. And so Mario's ego is just getting bigger. Damn, bro, that's real deep. Yeah. Uh, aesthetically, they look identical. If you look up um, Amanita Muscaria, it's 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 the big red uh, cup with the little white speckles on it and all that um but yeah so it was this idea it was this during play testing when he decided oh what if you went in between small and large that he came up with this idea of power-ups and then you ended up getting the fire flower and the star and all that and the fire flower was actually what came out of mario originally having a gun Uh, they took that design which he at some point decided was a little bit overpowered just like running through the game and shooting Mm -hmm. um and then change that to it's a power-up that you get which allows you to essentially do the same thing that's what the for a limited amount of time yeah yeah that's that that's a definitely a much more professional fix in my <laughs> opinion than uh when i was um so i i used game maker when i was uh real young hmm. um and that's how Tell i got my that. start in like making video games and i had this book that was written by the creators of game maker and in the second edition, they had a there uh, sort of a tutorial on how to make the game Zool, which is like uh, <laughs> an, a platformer akin to Mario. And uh, they had a similar issue where in some versions of the game, Zool had a gun, and they wanted to include it in this one, uh-huh. but they didn't want to make it too easy. So they their fix was make it like the control key or something. So it's like hard to press oh my god yeah no, yeah that's not i, I was fix. like really confused about that when i read the book but uh and still am today like these guys obviously are capable of making good games well they make good game making programs i uh, know they were they made <laughs> games before that oh yeah 
Oh yeah, yeah. They were like, well, Zool was to uh, Amiga what Mario was to Nintendo, but Amiga died, so mm. therefore, so did Zool. Well, bring back. Anyway, Zool there you go. The ninja from the nth dimension. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, d- definitely limited limited power ups rather than just physically restrain you make it make it like really hard to use the 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 gun mm-hmm. well I, yeah. it was it was that power up you know that made mario more fantastical you know set it in the at this point it became the mushroom kingdom right yeah like a fantasy the, yeah. yeah all these fun characters um and speaking of the fun characters i did a little bit of research on the um the enemies like where they came from uh, uh what their inspiration was um so I couldn't find much on the Goombas, right, which are iconic. But the other main enemy in Mario is the the Koopas, the Koopa Troopas, which were brought over pretty directly from that Mario Bros. arcade game. Mm-hmm. And they're but, like a sort of play on Kappa, right? Like the, the, the water demon? Are they? I didn't see that anywhere. That's Oh, I just assumed they were. They're turtle-ish and they're, hmm. you know, like it's, that's what a Kappa looks like and it sounds like be. it. Yeah. Well, I didn't find that. Um, oh, okay. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? Uh, I mean, there's. I'm sure there's plenty of inspirations like that that I have went completely over my sure. head. Feel Yo, free Kappa to let us lore know. is weird. Is it? They abduct yeah. kids, don't they? They well, okay. It's like in some stories they're relatively benign, but in other stories they like drown kids. Uh, so that, that's Kappa's K A P P A S. If anybody wants to look it up, um, correct. They're Appar- um, Japanese folklore demons, essentially. Yeah, like a water water demon. Uh-huh. Uh, they one of the most heinous things that they can do, other than drowning kids, sometimes raping women. Uh, they can pull your soul uh, out through your anus. Oh, oh, yeah. I I don't know. Of all the I, places to put it, pull it out of, that's the one I wouldn't want. I think. Right. If you were to ask permission. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, but apparently, to even today, there are signs in Japan around like swampy, like dangerous, like uh, areas. Uh-huh. There'll be like a sign that says like that has a picture of a kappa on it, and it's like a warning not to go there. Like obviously, they're not trying to tell people that there that there are kappas living there. It's just like, hey, this water is dangerous. Like there's I don't know rebar in the bottom or something like that. Well, if there were kappas, you got me convinced. That's I like my soul where it is. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, Koopa Troopas, um, like I said, from the Mario Arcade. But as I mentioned earlier, the mechanics of the uh, Mario Bros. Arcade game Koopas are a lot different than the ones in the original Mario game, where in Super Mario Bros., right, you jump on it, it goes into a shell, then you can kick the shell. Uh, whereas in the arcade game, you hit it from underneath and then hit hmm. it from up top, which um, that was the mechanic. That sounds a lot harder. Yeah, but... but You've played that arcade game, right? Haven't you? Maybe like once. Okay. Um, yeah, you you hit from underneath first, right? You jump, you do that classic Mario head bash into the bottom of the platform where the Koopa is standing, and then later it's uh, oh, I see. crabs okay. and bees, and then it flips over onto its back, right? So you're you're essentially hitting it from the um, the weak the underbelly weak both point, times. yeah, and and that's where the design came from, right? Where you know, the shell is a protected part, but then you hit it from underneath where it's weak. Uh, and that's where that mechanic uh, started. But apparently, after the game had come out, um, Miyamoto spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, 
why would you get hurt jumping on the head of a on the back of a turtle even if it's protected it would still end up on the worst side of that interaction uh hmm. because it's not you know it's still just a turtle and so he was he, he, he apparently made he a was vow breaking that, my, made, was breaking his immersion he had to, exactly exactly yeah. that's you know you know how video game people are uh he said that he were were to ever make another video game uh with the koopas in it he would make it so that jumping on them uh was effective because he just couldn't stop thinking about jumping on turtles I mean, I'm sure he just, I'm sure he did some like serious research and development on this. Like he got together a team and like Mm -hmm. rounded up about like, you know, a hundred turtles or so. Right. That's scientific. You know, ran some tests, collected data. (laughs) Collected data. (laughs) Yeah. That's how video games are made, right? It's the eighties. Nobody (laughs) knows. Totally. Yeah. The other enemy I wanted to talk about real fast was Bowser, right? The original, the big bad. Um, Where does his name come from? Is it just a fun thing to say? It could just be a fun. Th- I didn't find. Uh, I I didn't oh, do. Wow. I'm I'm sorry. I'm really like. <sighs> no no no. I should have done my due diligence. I didn't look up where their name <laughs> inspirations came from. Apparently, do you know this Mario? The name Mario was the Nintendo of America's. The name of Nintendo of America headquarters. Their landlord huh. was named Mario. And huh. that's where that came from. Wow. Okay. Yeah, they were uh, during the Mario Bros. arcade game. They couldn't think of the main character's name, and then their landlord was like, "Hey, you guys got to pay rent." And he said it like that because he's from New York. He's an Italian plumber. He's an Italian plumber. He said, "Hey, you got to pay rent," and they said, "Okay, uh, but also we'll name our video game character after you." So good on that guy. Wow. Okay, so I'm I'm satisfied. Uh, you know, we don't know where Bowser came from, but I did not know that about the Red Man himself. The good red brother Mario was named after some grumpy landlord. Yep. Some I like th- I like capitalist. that we just assume because he's a landlord, therefore he must be grumpy. Well, he's a he's a he's a capitalist, Glenn. I All capitalists are grumpy. I agree. You said it, not me. Um, so Bowser, right? Uh, when he was first drawn by Miyamoto, like in a sketch, he intended him to be an ox. I don't know if you've heard of this. Bowser was an ox? Yeah, he was just some oxen fellow. Really? Um, yeah, but the artist uh, for the game, his name is Yoichi Katabe, uh, just didn't understand what the drawing was and drew him as a turtle, which honestly could be because he had already designed the, the Koopa Troopas, right? So maybe the turtles were just on the mind. But uh, they had a little meeting about um, his design and Miyamoto ended up liking the turtle more. So that's what they went with. That's where... You know, Bowser came from just an honest little mistake. And I really like the way Bowser looks, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Oh, and it makes sense for him to be like the king of the turtles if the other mm-hmm. Koopas are, you know. Yeah. Tortles. Why would an ox be the king of... Yeah. Same page, same hat. Um, I have one other fun fact for you. Like I said, the uh, the development of the original Super Mario Brothers for the NES, it was a little bit muddled, right? Where it was kind of loosey a loose structure they didn't have a lot of inspiration going in they kind of just made the game they wanted to make apparently there was only um one thing about mario set in stone so for example so when they were making the donkey kong arcade right they made the design of mario um they didn't have much of an inspiration but they gave him a hat because 
it's easier to draw in pixel art than hair is. They give him a mustache because uh, it, it would hard to it would be hard to differentiate the nose. And then mm-hmm. they gave him like overalls because then you could see the movement of the arms, right? Otherwise, it would get lost on the color of the body. So very you could see practical. what that actually looks like. Yeah, they used it for practical reasons. So that being said, there was only one thing about Mario set in stone, and that was his age. Do you know what? <laughs> Do you know how old Mario is? How old Shigeru Miyamoto how, himself says Mario is? Tell me, how old is Mario? No, you got to give me at least one guess. Uh, 34. He is 24 to 25 years old. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, really? I, I don't know if that's entirely unexpected. What did you think? I don't know. Older than that, man. He's got a mustache. Yeah. You have a mustache. No, but not like Mario. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, I didn't picture, and I think for a lot of people, that is, you don't that assume. That is pretty young. I know that I think about it. That, I you mean, said I, 34. I, after all, I said 10 years older than that. Yeah. I mean, we're coming up on that age, and I'm nowhere close to being a... As successful as Mario. As successful as Mario. <laughs> Damn, dude. Oh, no. You hurt me. Um... <laughs> oh, we're in the no. same boat, brother. <laughs> we're working on... We're doing this thing together. Oh, man. Uh, yes. So that's Mario. That's the um, uh, king of video games himself. Super king Mario. King of all video brother. games. Yeah, I think There so. are no other video games than Nintendo. Yeah, that's what I said. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm glad we're in agreement. All right, so what's next? Uh, let's see. I've got some stuff about some early video games. We're talking about firsts. Mm-hmm. When I, I, I went... I I went deep dive. I went to the first video game. Yeah, that's probably more thematically correct than mine was. Yours was, uh, I don't know. I think Mario was like the first like iconic video hmm. game. Like okay, like he Thank was the you. first character that people could recognize. <laughs> Thank you. You uh, you you've supported me. I'll validate you any day, Vincent. I appreciate it. All right, let's look at this. So, um, like I hinted to earlier in the show. Uh, when computers first started out, uh, they were sort of this, um, it was just like a, a branch of mathematics. It was like computer science because, uh, the word computer, uh, when it was first used, you know, centuries ago was, uh, it was just a job. A computer is a person who computes numbers all day long and fills in tables and stuff like that. Is and, that true? Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. A computer is a, is a, is a job, job title. Huh. Uh, so the, for nerds, uh, uh, eventually to make for their nerds, lives easier. Did you hear me? I said it was for nerds. Oh, I, I heard the job. Uh, eventually, <laughs> um, to make their lives easier, uh, people uh, rather than discontinuing the practice of swirlies, they uh, <laughs> invented machines. Yeah, right. Would, uh, yeah, I don't know. That, that you can't. I mean, fun. you can't. You can't swirly a computer the size of a building, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nailed it. Uh, they <laughs> oh man okay <laughs> they, uh, um, uh, they, they started inventing these things called computing machines uh, that would uh, make the life make the life and career of computers easier mm-hmm. uh, also you know eventually automatic computing machines which eventually just became known as computers uh, because uh, automatic computing computing machine is a is a mouthful and yeah. the um, and at that more point we it, use these machines, the less we needed the people to run them. It beat out the uh, people. Damn machines taking our jobs. Yep, yep. 
That they do. Uh, so let's see. Um, a lot of people think that the first ever video game was Pong. A lot mm. of people like to cite that one. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's that's a good guess. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, close, but not quite. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, lunatic. <laughs> Uh, there, there are examples of computer of games run on computing machines as early as the 1950s. I mean, as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as there were machines that could compute numbers, people figured out way uh, figured out ways to play games on them. Yeah, why not? That's human nature. Yeah. Um, Pong, by the way, uh, was originally re- released in 1972. Uh, so yeah, that's much see. later than the 50s. Hey, what does yeah. Pong stand for again? I don't think it stands for anything, does it? It's just the second syllable of ping pong. Right? Hold on. Hold on. If I Are you gaslighting like me here? No, I... <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> hey, Glenn. Glenn. Hey, Glenn. Hey, Vince. <clears throat> Personal, organizational, national, and global. I don't know no, if you knew this, but That's a it backronym. Was... No, no, no. It was originally like a... You know, I'm not going to lie, it actually makes way this? more sense as um as a second thing of ping pong. But I've, I've heard before that pong was originally like a government test that they used in the military or something like that to test um, attentiveness or something dumb like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, maybe. I would believe, I don't see that on here, but anyway, mm-hmm. I'm not, that's not what I'm here to talk about. And anyway, I would say that um, that is a... Uh, that is probably a backronym. They probably were like, hey, let's call the game Ping Pong after the game Ping Pong, and then we're, we'll uh, come up with something that can stand for that. Yeah, that's fair. You know what I mean? I uh, went in half-cocked. Ha. Uh, I don't have a dog okay. in this fight, Glenn. That's okay. Um, you knew about Mario being a landlord, so... <laughs> I did know about Mario, that's true. Ask me anything. So in uh, in the 1960s at MIT, they already had games such as 3D Tic-Tac-Toe and Moon Landing uh, being played on these computing machines. And uh, you don't like Moon Landing, right? <laughs> uh, moon Can you landing, get into this? I, I get such a headache playing Moon Landing. <laughs> it's just, oh, it's so much. It's uh, too much, Vincent. I love Moon Landing. Moon Landing, yeah. Big fan. Uh, I'm okay with 3D Tic-Tac-Toe, though. I'll, mm. uh, I can get into some of that. I think I've Pong is classified that. in the sports genre, so that's fun. <laughs> that is fun. <laughs> uh, when okay. you said 3D tic-tac-toe, I imagine just regular tic-tac-toe, but with like bowling alley screen animations. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best I got. I really can't imagine what a 3D tic-tac-toe even looks like. Anyway, tell me Google, more about... It's not um, really that complicated. It's just like three tic-tac-toe boards, and you imagine that they're stacked on top of each other. So not only can you win horizontally or vertically, but you can also win like in the like like in the third dimension. Yeah. So like Z axis. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, dude. Um, the game, uh, the main game here, I'm going to talk about is called Space War! Exclamation point. Uh, I love, I love a game with an exclamation point in the title. Uh huh. Uh, I'll, I'll, shoot, I'll hit you with some fun facts at the beginning. It was invented in 1962 by Steve Russell at MIT. So, so obviously fun. there are games that predate this, but this is like um, a very prominent one. And now I'll explain why okay. as we go. 
uh, it was a he was collaborating with Martin Greats and Wayne Wittanen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's see the. Um, hey Glenn, I'm waiting for these facts to get fun. Ooh, these just sound like facts. <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> they um here's here's a here's a fun fact for you. Okay. Uh all of those men that I mentioned along with the other people that worked on it mm-hmm. were all members of the uh what is it? Model Railroad Club at MIT. Oh, cool. Yeah. So they were just meeting up and they were like, "Hey, what if we programmed the D uh, DEC PDP1 computer to play a game?" It's like a think tank there. Yeah. You ever been to the the MIT, what do you say, train committee or whatever? Model train club. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, so that's pretty fun. Um, and, and here's the reason that I uh, wanted to bring this game forward. It was the first game ever to be known, ever known to be installed on multiple computers. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah. So before that, like the 3D tic-tac-toe and stuff was like little programming exercises that they did on one computer. And it was just like on that computer. And the next time you need to do a different program on that computer, you just wipe it. You know, it's like, it's like, a, huh. it's like. You know, like when you write programs on your calculator. I don't know if you've ever done that. But you, I, but I, I've tried. I'm not like good the TI thirty something. You can yeah. always like, yeah. So it's like that. That's what the that's what the three D tic tac toe and other ones were like. Okay. Uh, Space War was um, is the first earliest game that we know was installed on multiple computers. So they saved it to. Uh, this might have been. This might have predated floppy disk. I'm. I'm mm-hmm. not entirely sure. Uh, either floppy disks or punch cards or something and moved it from one computer to another. Uh, anyway, um, so that's fun. The gameplay was uh, involved two spaceships. One was the needle and the other was the wedge. So okay. obviously they had no concept of balance at this point because the wedge is much bigger than the needle. <laughs> it has a much bigger hitbox and therefore it's not fair. They don't compensate with like speed or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, no they'll fix it in the next balance. patch, I'm sure. Huh? They'll fix it in the next patch. Don't worry about it. Yeah, we're, we're waiting. <laughs> what's the game in. called again? Wait, what's the game S- called again? Space War! Exclamation point. Space War fandom is dying. No! Retweet if you're a real Space War fan. <laughs> Hashtag save Space War! Exclamation save point. Space War! Exclamation point, please. Uh, so, the, really interestingly... Um, it uh, the game focuses on the uh, the gravity well of a star. So in the center of the screen, there's this little blinking star, mm-hmm. and uh, the game uses uh, Newtonian physics engine to uh, determine how the um, the needle and the wedge move. So this is this is the, probably the first game that ever had a physics engine. Huh. Um, yeah. Uh, the needle and the wedge are um, you know like. Uh, not to get too technical, but like you know, their their position is is a function of time and the inputs of the players and the uh, gravity from the star. So um, the game, the the computer would just do some math, which is what it was good at, and then mm-hmm. update the positions, which is essentially what we do today, but a lot more complicated. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, more graphics probably. Yeah, I didn't have a graphics engine. In fact, uh, this computer, this game was played on the screen of um, I forget what it's called, but it's a mm-hmm. uh, basically imagine a film of uh, phosphorescent material. Okay, I'm imagining. And uh, and then you shine a laser at that, and it uh, will glow for a second. That's what phosphorescent means. Okay, what and, kind of laser? Uh, you move the laser around, and it draws an image, and. Uh, as long as the laser gets back to the original point before 
you know, let's say let's say that it glows for one second. As long as the laser gets back to the original point before one second has elapsed, then you'll see a cohesive image. Right. So like playing with a laser pointer. Yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> like pretty much. It's just a, a little mirror mm-hmm. that moves around and shines the laser pointer at different points on the screen and draws a uh, an image. Um, so this was long before people had thought of uh, breaking the screen up into tiny uh, LEDs or anything like that. I mean, um, or LCD display or anything like that. No, none of that was around. The only way we had to do, get information out of a computer other than a typewriter or, and yes, computers did have typewriters coming out of them at some point, at one point, Yep. Um, was to shine a laser at an, uh, at a phosphorescent material and make it glow, uh, which is really interesting to think about because it means that they didn't, when doing the art, rather than doing pixel art, they, Mm -hmm. uh, had to do math (laughs) (laughs) and define the positions of each of the, uh, the vertices of the triangles and shit and then just have the laser follow the path. Traveling salesman problems. Yeah. Uh, anyway, there you go. That's some technical stuff. More gameplay. Each of the uh, players had more uh, had a limited amount of fuel and torpedoes. You basically had three buttons, four buttons. Uh, two of them would rotate your ship left and right. Mm-hmm. One of them would burn fuel, and you would um, uh, are counterclockwise and clockwise, I should say, rather than left and right. Uh, and then uh, you had another button that would burn a fuel and cause your uh, and apply a force to your ship in the direction you were facing. And uh, the other button would fire a torpedo. Um, if you ran out of fuel, you explode. If you get hit by a torpedo, you explode. If you run into the star, you explode. <laughs> if you go off the edge of the screen, you come back around to the other one. So that's kind of fun. Okay, Pac-Man. Um, yeah. Could you? Uh, win? you mean, I, I guess we would say that Pac-Man has space war rules. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow, you really just pulled that one on me. <laughs> All right. Could you win in this game? Was there a win condition? It was PvP. It was, okay. Yeah, so you just try so to blow the other the longest? Huh? It was just survive the longest? Well, it was, you know, you're trying to blow them up. You're shooting at them. Okay. I... <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna be honest. When you said gravity well, I imagined escaping from, like, a black hole like they did in Solo, a Star Wars story. Huh. Is where I went to first. Is that not true? That's pretty was close. there no I mean, if you Solo, don't... a Star Wars story kind of action... Because otherwise, I mean, I'm going to be really bored for the rest of your, uh, rest of your segment. Wow. Okay. First episode. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, actually, uh, using, um, but, but but think less Star Wars story and think uh-huh. more NASA. You're okay. using like a um, like a using a gravity assist was a pretty common maneuver where you accelerate towards the star mm-hmm. and then use its gravity to swing you around and okay. uh, get yeah, a speed yeah, yeah. boost in another direction. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Uh, you can tell that I, this I game was made by mathematicians camp. and not by people who play video games. <laughs> I went to space camp when I was little. Did you ever go to space camp? I don't think so. I think I did it for a Cub Scout thing. Oh, that's yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah, anyway, I guess that was me trying to say I know the space stuff you're talking about because practically an astronaut, I went to space camp. <laughs> Oof, went to space camp. That was back nice. when NASA was a thing, isn't it? NASA's still a thing. But do they do space camp? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one a mechanic that I find really interesting is that you could perform a hyperspace jump at any time. Basically, what that meant is you press a button and your ship jumps to a random point on the map. 
<laughs> just just on the map. in the star. This could be on the other ship and destroying you both. This could be anywhere. That's um, a pretty fun mechanic. Yeah, uh, this was meant to be like if uh, you know you're about to get you're at the center of this like the screen about to get sucked into the star and die you just press that key and you get out of there mm-hmm. uh and they say that um a- every time you use that or uh there's a chance that you would just destroy your ship instead of instead of getting uh <laughs> jumped yeah. and uh and a- every time you did that that chance would increase so you couldn't just spam it um so yeah there you go uh so I'll take it back. I'll take it back. They did have some semblance of, of uh, yeah, some balancing. game balance, some game balancing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, different size hitboxes—that's unacceptable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, they probably didn't um, have colors back then to differentiate. That's true. It was all like green. Like most mm. phosphor phosphorescent materials glow like a green color. Mm, like Game Boy. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's that's just a green black backlight though. <laughs> yeah. Think about um oh what is that uh oh I don't know yeah it is kind of weird that like terminal like like uh like early um computers or early operating systems that didn't have UIs mm-hmm. that were just like command line those we, we think of those as being black and green as well I don't know why that is I guess just to kind of match with the way that uh early um, phosphorescent screens were. Yeah, that's probably boring you all to death. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's interesting color theory, though. I don't know. Another interesting thing is that uh, this game was um, originally controlled using switches that were built into the PDP-1, which is the computer that it was programmed on. Uh, so you can imagine, like, trying to flip switches on this computing machine, not uh-huh. a game, in, not a game console, the size of a building. Yeah, I don't know how big it was. Uh, <laughs> probably, yeah, probably not far off. Um, until eventually Bob Saunders built a gamepad that made it less awkward. Okay. Uh, yeah, so would good, that be good the on first him. You know, electronic engineer, some, some, I don't know. You think that'd be uh, the first gamepad? I would I would have to say it'd probably be the first gamepad. Cool. Cool. Uh, yeah. Bob Saunders, good on you. Uh, let's see. It's got um, a lot of uh, people attribute this as the inspiration for Galaxy Game, which was released in 1971. Computer mm. Space, also 1971. And Asteroids, may have heard of that one, 1979. I have heard of Asteroids. Asteroids is is another good example. I mean, I'm sure, I don't know about the other two, but Asteroids is another good example of a game that doesn't use pixel art. It uses um, vectors or, oh, yeah. uh, or just like a, a, sort of traces out a line. Mm-hmm. Um, which interesting, interestingly enough, means that it has super duper high resolution. Like if you, if you zoomed into that line, you would still just be a line. Whereas if you zoomed into, if you were playing asteroids on your computer monitor and you mm-hmm. zoomed into it, you would eventually see the pixels rather yeah. than a line. I didn't really think about it, but I mean that game does look way better than, you know, a lot of well the pixel on the art. original console, but yeah. not on, uh, not on your. If it's on your computer, then that's different. Anyway. Uh, let's talk about Steve Russell, the guy that made it. Okay, tell me about Steve Russell. He sounds interesting. Uh, he invented Space War uh, with the help from the members of the Tech Model Railroad Club. Uh, he actually mentored was Paul Allen and this other guy, you may have heard of him, uh, William Gates. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Bill Gates himself. Yeah, he mentored him a good uh, in 1968 on uh-huh. some uh, early computer stuff. Hmm. 
Yeah, so there you go. He's also responsible for um, uh, contributions to early interpreters and compilers, uh, and, uh, particularly universal low-level evaluation, which is the reason that we have programming languages today, rather than just writing in machine code directly. So This guy um, was pretty big, huh? Apparently so. Is he yeah, still alive? I yeah, I think he's like 80. Nice. Good on you. Uh, he looks like the kind of guy that would have been in a model train club. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow, dude. All right. No, well, cool. now I got to look he's... him up. What's his name? Uh, Steve Russell. Anyway. Uh, the PDP-1 was um, made by the Digital Equipment Corporation. Uh, and get this, Vincent. Uh-huh. The PDP-1, the computer that this was programmed on, is famous for uh, inciting hacker culture. In, uh, oh, in, like the Matrix. Yeah, just like the Matrix. Nice. Um, uh, hacker culture is defined as a culture of pranks, playfulness, uh, and uh, novel and clever outcomes. Uh, it's not necessarily uh-huh. about programming. It's just like when you do something and it's like for more for fun than for work and you use uh, components to do something that they weren't necessarily originally intended to do. Okay. That's not how I pictured hacker culture. That's what hacking means. Hmm. Um, yeah. The classic I'm in is I'm like in. a very yep. specific sect of hacking where you're using software for something that it wasn't originally intended to mm-hmm. break into somebody's uh, data maliciously but uh in 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 the general sense hacker culture is a lot more different think about like life hacks that's that's hacker culture or like you know like hacking something is like using using something to accomplish something that it wasn't originally intended for and the pdp1 is is famous for uh inciting that kind of culture in the early computer programmers well all right I mean, if you're smart enough to do it, yeah, why not? Yeah. Uh, Some of the first ever text editing software was made on it. Uh, They called it Expensive Typewriter. Uh, (laughs) You know, because it didn't do much more than a typewriter. Sure. (laughs) The first ever word processor, uh, which means that it it could do a little bit more like formatting, whereas Mm -hmm. uh, text editing is just like, like what it says, an expensive typewriter. The first ever word processor, TJ2, was also on this computer. Uh, it originally had a typewriter as its primary output, but uh, it was a general purpose computer, so you could really hook up any kind of inputs and outputs, peripherals, if you will, to um, have the desired effect. Uh, I mean, obviously, we talked about how we, they switched the input to a, uh, a gamepad, a custom-designed gamepad. Right. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's a little bit of that hacker culture, you know, like, you know, just making, making your own a custom part to uh, put into an existing machine. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. So it's got a type 30 precision CRT display. I have no idea what that means, but, uh, that's kind of <laughs> what I was felt talking like about you had to include like it. The, the laser. Um, and it could also, uh, play music. It had audio output. So oh, cool. there you go. I don't know if it was the first computer to have audio output, but it, it could play up to four part harmony, which is really cool. Actually. I mean, that's practically a soundtrack right there. Honestly. Um, some early consoles, uh, like the NES, I don't even know. I, I think that had like two part harmony or something like that. Um, don't quote me on that. I could be wrong. Um, and to this day, there are three of these magnificent machines in the entire world. Oh, 
And they're still around, so kicking it? Well, they're in, like, museums. Yeah, okay. Makes sense. So um, I couldn't play it in my free time? Oh, no, yeah. The, well, one of them that's, that's, I don't know where it is. I Probably, like, Oxford or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's a, um, w- uh, at least one of them I know for sure is still, uh, it does, it does three things in, uh, at different times of the day when you go there at the museum. And one of them is, like, it plays a song. Then another one's like, uh, kids can come up and play Space War on it. And then another <laughs> one is something else. So yeah, that's Space War is pretty influential. Uh, speaking of influential influentiality of Space War, yeah. let's look at uh, some of. Um, let's talk about like what people thought about it. So mm, the critical um, critical reception. Critical reception, exactly. Uh, we can't really talk about it at the time because, like I said, these were just hacker computer. Uh, geeks little uh um people who are really into like uh like math really and mm-hmm. just wanted to have fun right um so obviously they liked it but uh much later in 2007 uh the library of congress put together this thing called the video game canon which is considered uh to be like the top they they, they said these are the top 10 most influential games of all time Damn, uh, in, in 2007 war. okay uh, the canon when it was released came with much criticism. Uh, here I'll give you like um, Jonathan McCalmont, McCalmont, okay. a uh, UK scholar, uh, is quoted saying, "A canon is to lift some games out of the mire, pressing others down, while le- uh, while to leave our collective memory to the forces of technolo- technological obsolescence is to shorten the memory." basically he's saying that he hates you, the list he's saying he hates the list he, he's saying that he hates the list but if we didn't have a list then we'd have to re- remember what games were good and <laughs> they would and some games would just become obsolete 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 because we would forget about them mm-hmm. so uh he's kind of conflicted on it uh many other people you know like i said it came with much criticism uh because a it's 10 games b it's uh, i can think of some games that i think would belong on here that uh I mean, by 2007, there's a pretty wide, wide list yeah, of games that should be on here. And some of these, I don't think, belong on here at all. Um, so let's just go through, the, through them, shall we? Uh, number one, Space War. Uh, first ever video game, 1962 by Steve Russell. Okay. Uh, number two, Star Raiders. Have you ever heard of it? I have not. <laughs> Neither have I. Oh, uh, 1979 for the Atari. It was renowned for complex graphics. It had a first-person perspective, so that's pretty mm. cool. First game with a per- first-person perspective. Uh, Zork is on there. I Have you heard of Zork? No. I'm a big fan of Zork. It was uh, released in 1977 for the Infocom in 1980 uh, commercially. Uh, it was a text-based game, so one of those where you type in you know, what you want to do, and it gives you a response. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. D&D with a computer DM. Yep. Uh and only one player. Uh but it was um it was way more story rich than other similar games of the time. Mm. Uh the lore was a lot deeper and it had a much more complex text parser, which um people was said that it was the creators are um they said that they wanted to make it have like sort of a sense of humor. So it would uh it would talk to you it was the first one of the first attempts at like uh, just you know how humans talk. You're getting computers to emulate that. Yeah, sounds that like something a programmer would say. Okay, <laughs> it was the first Siri. How about that? Okay, yeah, that's but not bad. you had to type into it. You can speak. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I don't know. It just it is. Uh, it had a complex text parser, and it wasn't so. It wasn't just like open drawer. It was like, hey, I want to open the drawer. And it know. was called Zork. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Tetris, uh, best-selling game of all time. Not yeah. hard to understand what that one's on there. It's a good Made one. by Elorg, uh, a a guy working at uh, the guy's name is not Elorg. <laughs> okay. The guy's name is Alexey Pajinov. Uh, he worked for, um, uh, I wrote down the name of the company, Electronorg Technica. <laughs> okay. Short, often short to Elorg. Electronorg Technica. Okay. Very good. Uh, usually shortened to uh, Elorg. Uh, he made it in 1984. He, uh, the name comes from the Greek for tetra, uh, for four, and mm. tennis, uh, his favorite sport. Alex, uh, Alexei uh, Pejitnov's uh, favorite sport. He he um, just made a, a combination of those. So Tetris. That's um, cool. I don't get a lot of tennis vibes from yeah. Tetris. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I stopped asking questions. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's the best-selling game of all time until it was overtaken by Minecraft in 2019. Uh, so uh, there, I, I see no reason why that one and Zork shouldn't be on there because they were kind of big for their time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Star Raiders, I mean, I guess first person's kind of cool. Let's see, Sim City is also on there. Uh, yeah, okay. The original one in 1989, made by mm-hmm. Maxis. Uh, it's a, it was a, one of the first ever real life simulation games. Uh, before that, games were either fantastical or mostly sci-fi. Yeah. Um, they were either yeah sci-fi no, or, I definitely or high think fantasy. That fits. Yeah. Come not? again? I no, I definitely think that fits. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like a management game you hadn't seen a lot of those yet mm-hmm. uh, so that's pretty cool <laughs> management games uh, uh, Super Mario Bros. 3 is on there alright it's uh, a good one by Nintendo 1988 re- released in Japan in 1988 and released in North America in 1990 mm-hmm. I don't really know why it's on there other than just being an all around good game uh, it's the first game that introduced the Tanuki Mario so probably responsible for the furry culture in america i'm not really sure yeah no i'd say so yeah yeah um but good on you good on you mario and kirby's responsible for vor we can agree on that one that's 100 (laughs) percent. okay cool (laughs) um uh moving on civilization one and two are listed as one entry on here Mm -hmm. uh it's by microprose 1991 it's one of the first ever 4x games that is explore expand exploit and exterminate um so yeah a lot to unpack there Um, i don't know if that one i mean people people swear by civ so i don't know mm -hmm. saying that it shouldn't be on there is is kind of risky but also it's like i've never played the first one or the second one or any of them Right. So, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Doom is also on there by mm. ID Software, 1993. I can see that. Uh, it was the pioneer of the FPS genre with 3D graphics and network multiplayer. Yeah, man, Doom was uh, cool. He, probably singularly responsible for the reason we have sh- so many different shooter games today. Actually, the the reason that Doom looks 3D, all those sprites uh, of the enemies and all that, the they were clay models first that were taken pictures at different angles and that's where that 3d effect comes from that's awesome i never knew that i think uh yeah that that's uh yeah man doom is cool yeah wow okay (laughs) uh let's see next up we have the warcraft series uh by blizzard uh first one came out in 1994 
now this is kind of a weird entry because it includes everything from Warcraft, the RTS, Warcraft 1 through 3. Um, so that, that falls right in there with Civilization. Um, and then, of course, it has WoW, which is uh, MMO, Massively Multiplayer. Um, and also includes Hearthstone, which is the card game based on Warcraft right. So kind of a weird entry to say that the entire Warcraft series, three very different games or three very different types of games all belong in one entry. Hmm. But I mean, I guess more power to you. This is the library of Congress, by the way. Yeah. It's not our list. They can do what they want. They can. We can't stop them. And I I don't think you'll ever guess what this, uh, 10th, 10th one is super Mario bros two. No, it's the sensible world of soccer. (laughs) <laughs> okay. By, by get this, Sensible Software. Released in I, 1994. It's I one have of the first ever sports. Well, I won't say it's the first ever sports sim game, but it's like a it is a sports sim sim game uh, and it has manager gameplay. So the first ever 2K. Okay, I have heard of Sensible Software actually. Have you really? I have. Yeah, hold on. That's hilarious. So, I guess that's kind of cool. It has like multiple game like parts like where you play the the sport and you also manage your team that's fun i don't know so there you go that's that's what library of congress considers to be the top 10 most influential games of all time hmm. uh for reference uh star wars star wars was released in 1977 so all of the ones that came before that like uh space war moon landing uh star raiders all of those were kind of pioneering the uh, sci-fi landscape oh, yeah, uh, yeah, leading yeah. up to the release of Star Wars, uh, <laughs> eventually, be- which eventually became known as A New Hope. Right. Um, which, of course, was originally called Space War! Exclamation point. Uh-huh. Oh, here. I missed this. Earlier, when we were talking about uh, Mario Super Mario Bros. 3, and we were trying to think of like what, in particular, made it... Um, get earned it a spot on this list. Uh, I had a world map, so that's something we didn't see in earlier Mario games. Oh, yeah, that's true. So you could like you know select your levels, go back to previous levels, etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also included the Koopalings, uh, first game to Those include classic that, along characters. with uh, Tanuki Mario. Yeah, I bet I could uh, name them all. Oh yeah, go for it. Oh yeah, uh, it, how many are there? Do you know? I don't know. No idea. Okay, then no, I totally can't name them all. <laughs> how many can you get? Uh, let's see. There's Wendy. There's Iggy. There's Morton. There's Ludwig. Oh, there's Lemmy. Wow, okay. That's five. So what's the story with the Koopalings? What are they? Are they just like... I think they're Bowser's kids. Are they seriously? Um, I mean, they're either kids or like... You're right, Roy's in there too. Oh, okay. Yeah, Roy's number six. I thought Roy was like his only son. Or what about Bowser 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 Jr.? Bowser Jr. isn't one of the Koopalings. So he came later. He yes, he showed up is in he like a, Sunshine. He's like a half brother to the other ones. I don't know. He calls Peach his mom. I think. Really? Yeah, but so that might not be true. I don't know. There's a lot of Mario he, lore that I don't actually follow very closely. Is that like? I don't. Do I want to know? I don't know, man. He's a turtle, and she's a not a turtle. So. Oh, but like, okay. So is, is Peach cheating, or was it? I mean, that's what I want. That's what I'm concerned with. You know, Mario definitely strikes me as the kind of guy who would get mad at the other dude if his wife cheated on him. 
You know what I mean? Okay. Mario <laughs> seems like the kind of guy. Yeah. 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 So this is... <laughs> okay, well, there you go. I gave you a top 10. I don't know what else you want from me on this YouTube platform. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, guys. Check out Space War. You can play it online. Uh, it's not. It's not that fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he's not pulling any punches. It's it's a hoot and a half. It's if I mean, that. I'm in it for a hoot and a half. If that's what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I mean, imagine like the only other thing that computers can do at this point is math. So they may as well do math and then draw a cool little picture on top of it. <clears throat> All right, well, uh, that is all I have to talk about, so I think that's the show. Yeah? Yeah. All right, so just a couple of thank yous. Uh, thank you, Glenn, for the intro music. Uh, the song is called Bird. It's on SoundCloud. I have linked that in the description. Also linked are uh, Matthew Any and Natalie Quick. Matthew did some of our various logos, and Natalie did some great work on our cover art, so thank you to them, and thank you to you for listening.